This is the 18th season of Bass Talk Live. With your host, Matt Pangrad. BTL is brought to you by Lorance, Bass Cat Boats, AFCO, Strike King Lures, Sunline, Big Bite Baits, Spro, X-Zone Lures, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, and Pro Guide Batteries. BTL, coming at ya! Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live. It is the final week of live shows in the studio in Moore, Oklahoma before moving over, up, over, up and over to uh, Shawnee, the studio. I've been working on the studio in the house, which is a uh, interesting undertaking, but looking forward to it. Things are coming along nicely. Uh, today, good show today. We have James Nigemeyer. Dude's been doing this at the top level for over 15 years now, and he's headed back to the uh, EQs, the Bassmaster Open Elite Qualifier. So we're going to have James on. We're going to touch on that and talk a little bit about it, but I think there's a some really cool, unique backstories and some stuff that James has been through with his career, how he got into his career, how he ended up where he is. Also want to kind of pick his brain, you know. Man, we haven't had a tie in a minute in professional bass fishing at any of the levels. And one of the uh, things that always sticks out to me is that 2009 Open on Toledo Bend. James Nigemeyer went up against, uh, I think it was a local dude. There was a local dude from Hemp Hill there, if memory serves me correct. And then they had like a day canceled, and then they had a three-and-a-half-hour fish-off. And James came away with the trophy. So I kind of want to see if he's willing to reminisce on that and, and what a fish-off is. I think I, w- I wish we had more ties, more on the water, whether it's first fish or an hour or three-and-a-half hours or a full day. It'd be interesting to see. I just I like ties, but uh, man, there is actually considering that the uh, team championship was the last major tournament of the year. Colin Smith, congratulations, twenty eight one over two days. Lake Hartwell local. That dude was happy. Like go to Bassmaster dot com and look at those pictures. That dude is happy. Spent a lot of time. I think he's with a, a club right there in in Anderson. Twenty eight one, fourteen pounds a day. Deep timber, slow fishing for spotted bass, but he is the final qualifier in the 2023 Bassmaster Classic. And there's James right there. We're going to get to James in, in just, well, yeah, we'll just bring James in right now. Sorry, that was kind of an abrupt intro. I don't know what happened there. That The screen went away, then you went full screen, then I came back. First time ever. Made it through almost the whole year without it and almost any glitches like that. But what's up, James? Hey, how you doing, Matt? I'm good. Thank you for Thank jumping you. on BTL. Oh. I know it's been kind of a... Uh, uh, fast and furious to get things set up this morning, but we're good to go. You're at your home in Texas. That's right. And when it comes to technology, there's generally something that happens with me. A uh, buddy of mine said there's an actual thing where some people just don't jive with tech. So that's probably me. Yeah. Well, congratulations. You're live. You're on BTL now. I just, uh, you talk about technology. It's interesting. I do a little like a side podcast with mercer uh every monday and we drop it we argue about a topic and today's topic that just dropped over on his youtube channel is that uh in these technology wars where we're seeing obviously the forward-facing sonar is all the rage but we both took the side that the 
mapping technology has been more has created more changes in professional bass fishing and in bass fishing as a whole than the forward facing sonar and the and the advancement of the chips and the topographical and then just being able like GPS knowing where you are or where you're running that type of thing like that's been way more impactful than forward facing sonar what's your thoughts on that since you're talking about a beta technology guy but i mean think about it think about triangulation with nothing beforehand like just getting on a lake you've never been to with no mapping and just having forward facing sonar or getting on a lake with the latest and greatest sea maps lake master navionics chip and no forward facing sonar what are your thoughts on that which one would you take so, if you had to fish a season with either no mapping or no forward facing sonar and no forward facing because the mapping is huge i can't remember the first time that i that it was kind of like the light went off and it just was brand new to me. Believe this or not, 2006 on my home lake, Lake Fork, fishing the PAA, um, I guess what what they call the bass, the, what was it? T- the PAA, PAA tournament series. Was it, yeah, it was a classic or what? Anyways, the Toyota Bass Classic. That's what it Oh, was, the Toyota TTBC, bass. the Toyota Texas yeah. Bass Classic. The very first one on Lake Fork, I, had, I was paired with Frank Ippolitti, Chris Daves and um, Terry, uh, Terry Scroggins and Terry okay. trying to show me a spot. And he just pulled up his graph and he was just like, it was like, boom. He had the whole lake. I was like, what in, where did you get that? I mean, it just, I was, it was just blew me away. And I thought I got to have that. Like that's cause you mean it to a lake you've never been to before. I mean, just to be able to see everything, know how to run where the Creek channels are. It just, just having it all at a glance, because I can remember running around with just having my paper map folded to the section of the lake that I was on and either behind the windshield or in my hand and being, you know, navigating that way. And I did that for forever before, you know, mapping. I would say mapping is you got to have it. Did you learn lake? Did you learn lake fork without mapping then you learned that with a paper map how to navigate and run lake fork so how would you figure out where the trails were and stuff would you have to go out with an old timer or was it all idling or how i mean because you didn't have breadcrumbs or trails or anything yeah i i actually learned um from some friends but also mark pack took me out and i was able to run like that but basically if i got off the boat lanes i just idled and i think that's the best policy anyways but there's a couple of shortcuts and these chips that they have now, of course, you can run it like you've been fishing it your whole life. But yeah, I just had to, I just had to learn it and stay on the boat lanes. Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine that. I said, it's just funny. You brought up the technology and I said that just dropped, but I mean, it, it's yeah. insane what you can do now between the sea maps and avionics, the Lake masters with color shading, with depth relief, with the, with the, uh, uh, water level on it, one foot increments. You can go out on lakes that don't have maps. You can make your own maps. And I think, you know, I'm of the generation when I started fishing seriously, like that already existed. Like it was, it, I had it. Now it wasn't as obviously in depth as it is. And I don't have it completely dialed in like a Josh Douglas type guy or something as far as like all the updates where it looks. It's absolutely insane what you can do now with it. I think that's one of the biggest, that's got to be the biggest advancement. I mean, it, it takes so much of the learning curve, not learning curve, but it takes so much of the, you can get on a lake and not feel like, A, you're going to kill yourself, or B, you have no idea where you need to start, right? Oh, for sure. And and the thing about it is um, you have 
it, when I first started fishing the tour, which was the elite series in 07, um, there was just this, there was a group of guys that just ran wherever they wanted to run. And if they didn't see it, they didn't think it was there. And then there was the rest of us that were just kind of idling around. And it was just a huge advantage to be able to just run wherever you, wherever you wanted to run, save time and um, be able to cover way more water. So to have mapping is, is I, I wouldn't have put that in the mix up against forward facing, but, but that's probably because it's been so long since I thought about even the idea of not having, but mapping is huge. Back in the day before that, were there, I mean, were there a handful of guys that just tore stuff up everywhere? You know, I don't remember a whole lot of guys hitting stuff, but they would have to though. Like you send Biffle off on a wild goose chase on Seminole, Raybird, Toledo, Bet. I mean, any of those places. And if it's, if he subscribes to the, if you don't see it, it's not their standard. I mean, there's gotta be tons of lower units in the eighties and early nineties of those guys. Oh yeah, I, I can remember one pro. I won't I won't mention his name, but he just showed me the, this hole in the side of his boat where he kind of. I mean, it was probably about you know probably the size of a tennis ball, but he was taking on water, and um, it was just because he was running around. And then when he when he came off plane, he just glanced off at one. I've done that before, and um, yeah, I mean that that happened in a tournament for him. So it's it's definitely something where you had to have uh, some sort of like JB weld to, to go ahead and throw in there some putty and let it cure overnight. And then you're back in business the next day. Cause I don't know what else you can do. Dude, you've been on the water with everybody over the course of your career. That's that's fished. You, you got to say names on this one. Craziest guy that the most often you've been like, man, I have no clue how that guy ended up there. I wouldn't do that. Like, I, I don't want to say, like, like the guy who just runs the hardest into places that makes even guys like you go, wow, that took some, that took a pair. Yeah, definitely Tommy Biffle. He's, you know, he's got that history. But Takahiro's pretty much, I mean, he, he'll run really? stuff. Oh, yeah, he'll run stuff. I was in the boat with him on Lake Fork one time. We ran out of the back of a creek. I didn't even know you could run it. And I don't even think you should run it. But I can remember he glanced a couple. He said, it's not a big deal. You know, and I was like, yeah, it's a big deal. <laughs> I was like, but I mean, there's guys that that just, they, they don't, I don't know. They just, their, their mindset is such that, you know, on the task at hand that they're really, I don't know that they're really considering what could really go wrong. And then now I've got that uh, the leash on my outboard, which I think if you run in any sketchy areas or places that've got timber in it, and even if you don't, the leash is an awesome thing to have just because you don't want that outboard jumping up, you know, in the back in the in the boat with you, and um, and you know, hurting your you or your partner. So it, basically, all that is 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 a, a like an unbreakable rope that goes behind the motor. So if you hit something, and I've actually had this happen back in college on the Arkansas river, basically the motor and I wasn't running it. My partner was, but we hit a wing dam and all of a sudden the motors like on still connected and it's on the back deck. That's what the leash prevents. Right. I mean, it keeps it from swinging that's, back up. That's it. That's it. I mean, you hear, you got something that's potentially over 500 pounds with a spinning prop. I mean, the idea of that, you know, really hurting people obviously and even killing people is, is there so it's it's a great uh thing to have in the boat i, I think especially if you're going to run anything that's uh really questionable i think 
I think it's people uh, don't understand how precise and how talented a lot of the top level, not a lot, all of the top level guys are when it comes to driving. Because you have a lot of people that depend on it as far as co-anglers and cameramen and stuff. And you see these runs, whether it's a Great Lakes run, whether it's a a fork or a, a Sam Raber, Toledo bed, uh, Sabidra, any of those runs. Like, I don't think a lot of people understand how how in tune you have to be with your vessel to make that go right 99.9% of the time. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I mean, you think of even like Seminole, it reminds me of like Toledo Bend. Uh, and there's, and I think some of these, some of these river places that we go to on the opens, they're, they're really sketchy. I mean, you, you really, if you just get off or even like um, up there at lacrosse, the wing dams and just, running aground on sandbars and, um, but just, yeah, getting an idea of, and there's definitely some guys that are way better skilled, um, at it than others. They, they, they know how they can run stuff, what they can run, how, what they can't. And, um, it's funny, the guys that I feel like the guys that are really in tune, yeah, obviously they, they definitely don't have as many hiccups for sure. So Bobby Lane was standing around one time and he goes, well, that's why they make more than one lower unit. And I was like, well, that's, I guess, one way to look at it. But you're also dealing with the 0.001 percenters, right? I mean, they're they're moving product. They're representing companies and brands like the average guy. Like, I mean, I do it in the in the opens. I'm like, I idle so much. And I've at first I was like, well, I don't if I'm with a co or something or people are around. I'm like, well, I don't want them to know that I don't know where I'm going. And then I finally got to the point where I was like, A, I'd rather burn half an hour idling and have a vessel that's completely intact, especially over the last three years, as hard as it's been to get props and lower units and that stuff. And B, you look like even a bigger idiot. If you just smoke into an area where everybody around you going, that guy doesn't know where the heck he's going. Yeah. The, the absolute, uh, the thought of what your peers think of you as you come into an area and, um, and just the idea of, I don't know. I think I think there's uh, there's just people that that don't that aren't bothered by the idea that something might go wrong or that that uh, what might happen as a result of that going wrong. Like, um, you know, again, trying to get a prop, trying to get a lower unit, what that looks like and insurance and and so on and so forth. I think there's just guys that they don't they don't let that come into their head and and that doesn't dictate whether they're going to do it or not. So, um yeah, if if a guy can just be, I don't know, I guess more carefree, uh, they definitely can shave off a lot of time over the course of a year. <laughs> Great opening segment. Was not planning on going down that path, but uh, yeah, that's good Perhaps stuff to talk about. Oh yeah, absolutely. Even the James River. I mean, you know, big laydowns and sand flats and different places. Oh, like I completely avoided major sections of the James River over the last two times I've been there because I found, you know, you can catch fish in the Chickahominy. You know, someone's going to top 10 out of it and I'm fishing for points. It's been earlier in the year. And I'm like, I feel like with the tide and dropping, like you go up into the Appomattox or run into any of this stuff and you just hear these horror stories. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to stay at the main channel, skirt the, skirt the big flat, get up in there and not worry about it. But I mean, you know, Hallman was like, yeah, you know, I tried to cut this and I could feel it on the bottom and blah, blah, blah. And guys were like, you ran that. And I'm like, 
dude, that's that's you. That's not me. But then uh, you also are like, well, am I not maximizing my potential? Am I leaving fish on the table because I'm, quote, I mean, I'm not scared, but because I'm not pushing myself that. I mean, but that's easy to say when it's not 2 a.m. and you're stuck on a sandbar waiting for high tide. I got stuck on a sandbar at the James and I uh, pulled out my push pole and it just kept going. And I just had to wait about, well, I had to wait about an hour for the tide to pick me up. Thankfully, it wasn't dropping. But I talked to Blake Smith, and he was saying that guys will do that in Redfish, and they'll get out of their boat to push, and they'll actually, there, there's been people that have died because the tide comes back in. They can't get out of the mud. They're past their kneecaps, and, and how that could be really dangerous in, in and of itself. And I was like, I didn't, that never even crossed my mind, mm-hmm. the idea of getting stuck in mud and not, you know, and the water coming over your head. That's wild. Uh, yeah. You excited to fish? A, a, it's a weird deal with you, man. I, I was standing next to you at the Bassmaster Open there at, at Rayburn. And you were you were in, or you weren't in, and then you were in, and then you thought you might have been in, and then you were in for 12 hours. But then you had to rely on a couple other guys to to drop in the standings, and they didn't drop in the standings. And then when everything shook out, you were first man out to qualify for the 2023 Elite Series, finished in fourth by five points. Uh, and, I mean, dude, I, I was there, and I, I kind of know you. That had to be a, a bitter pill to, to swallow and then to go through all the emotional roller coaster over that 48 hours. Yeah, that, that was really uh... – you know, I, I just, I tried not to think about it and tried not to, to watch. And of course I had friends and you and I talked the next day and, um, it wasn't until, you know, weighing and that when they started weighing their fish and it was just completely like, okay, it's a matter of fact, forget all the, forget all the, well, this and that could happen and it's done that it really then my it really was a gut punch that that was and, and and i did everything i could i felt like i fished really well and um i i don't think that there's much i could have changed or it just didn't work out and um it, but it was it was it was hard to take once it was all final um yeah <laughs> to get that close uh, to know, you know, you, everybody knows how hard it is, and um, mm-hmm. to get that that close, uh, it's, it is a bitter, it is a bitter pill. It is a hard thing to to um, to kind of wrap your mind around, and a hard thing to just kind of accept the reality of, and be like, okay, well, you got as close as you possibly could, and not make it. So there you go. Issa said you did. You fished the Elite Series for 2007, which was the, the second year after the inception of the Elite Series, all the way through 2017, and then went over to the FLW Tour from 18 to 22. Was that a deal where you'd had a couple rough years, or did you make the decision on your own to go over to FLW in 18? Um, I had two rough years that killed my okay. my, uh, my standings. The last two years over at Bass um, on the Elites, that really... And I was actually first man out in that. Are you serious? Um, I was, I was, yeah, I was behind Jonathan Van Dam, which he stayed in the elites, and I was literally the first guy out there. And then so I went and fished. They've only made day. cuts like three times in the past ten years, too. And that was one of them. It was that was hard. I'll tell you that that was hard. And there's a lot of things 
that uh, transpired as a result of not requalifying that um, that was just I mean it's real <laughs> that's all I can say but then didn't and, you uh, go right over to FLW and almost win the cup the next year that yeah in 18 I uh, finished second in the cup yep yep to Clint and, Davis uh, on the big worm you got homered by Clint Davis like he that's his jam that was- isn't it I guess it is. He had it on a big jig head or, or a wobble head or whatever and caught him out of brush piles. After that event was over, I don't think Mark Davis would mind me saying this. He called me and he said, I think it was a couple of days later, he texted me and he said, that, that wasn't supposed to happen, James. He said, that just that's not normal. That doesn't happen. Um, it's just It just happened to happen. In that oh, event. the big fish that he yeah. caught, like the, the multiple oh, yeah. big he, fish out of the piles? Well, he was, he was intent. And he ended up winning with a 17-pound bag um, on day day three. I believe that that was a 17-pound bag. So he literally catapulted from – because we took cut to 10 on the last day. He catapulted from 10th to finish first, and I finished second. So, I mean, it wasn't even close. I think it was like six or seven pounds that he won by. But, yeah. As far as accomplishments – and you're obviously in the top five going into all nine there. You got Ish, you got Bobby, you got you. I mean, there's a number of other guys that have moved over. We'll get into that more kind of later in the show. Uh, there's some really cool stats on the 175 elite qualifiers that are fishing in, in 2023. But have you have you kind of come to peace with that, knowing, dang, I was close and are looking forward to tackling a lot of new fisheries on the schedule that you probably... I- haven't planned on fishing this year in the opens. I am looking forward to it. I, I like I everything, you know, people ask me, what do you, what do you think about the schedule, you know, year over year, whether it's the elites or FLW or the pro circuit, it's, I just really try not to look at the schedule because some of the places that you think you're going to really have a great event, you're chomping at the bit to go fish. Um, you don't have the best event. And then other places you're like, well, I'm kind of looking to hope to dodge that one. And, um, and, and you do well. So I try not to really look at the schedule, though the schedule looks good. But this year on the pro circuit, the schedule looked great. And I did not have a good year on the pro circuit. So I try not to look at the schedule, but I am excited about it. It's, I, I like fishing the opens. I know some guys uh, don't really in, enjoy, you know, when they've fished at the tour level, they don't really enjoy as much having a co-angler in the back because they're trying to think about and strategize how that's going to play into their, their game. But um, I've, I've really enjoyed it over the years. Even when I fished the elites, I would try to fish the centrals, uh, you know, at least every year or every other year. I might take a break from time to time, but I like I like fishing um, the open. So it's it's pretty I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, it's kind of a new page, you know moving forward and um i like the fact that it's not just not the opens but they've they've kind of revamped it and it's it's the you know the elite qualifier series got a logo got a logo and a patch and everything james yeah yeah we paid paid good money for that patch (laughs) really good (laughs) yeah so it's good i mean it's an it's a new it's a new page it's uh moving forward um that's that's good are you excited about it yeah well, here's the difference, dude. I'm, I haven't made my living fishing for the past 15 years. I haven't been at the top level. I don't have two kids and a family and depend on 
tournament earnings and and sponsor dollars to do it. So, I mean, I'm kind of chasing it. Uh, so it's a real question. Like, I know you said you're excited and you're always a glass half full and you're a positive guy. But from that standpoint, how does how does that work logistically for you? Because, I mean, you're fishing for 50000 I know it's a less entry fee, but it's still 35000 40000 to fish that. You've got the 50000 for the win, but the checks aren't $10,000 now. You have a, a really good sponsor portfolio that you have kept. I feel like you've kept a lot of your same sponsors for over a decade. Uh, and work really well with them. Your name's synonymous with them. So aside from, yeah, I'm excited for the new fisheries. Has that been an interesting puzzle to piece together to make it work logistically? Yeah, it's it's something that uh, just didn't come together this year. I actually tried to put it together last year and to move into doing, you know, all nine in 2022 but it, it just didn't work out. And, um, so I stayed with the, you know, fishing the pro circuit. And, um, and so this year things just kind of gelled and, you know, worked with all my sponsors and everybody, you know, was behind me and they you know, were support you on it. And so there was different things that went into it as well. And it wasn't just, a uh, my moving, moving from one to another, but yeah, a lot of the things you just mentioned are, are real, um, I, I recognize that, you know, while we all want to fish the opens for one year and then make the elite series, I recognize how, uh, how much of a challenge that really is and how, um, and how that can or can't happen based on, you know, not having a good day or two or three. And so it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, those are some of the real concerns, obviously that you're talking about, you know, wife and kiddos and making a living at, at this and, um, trying to uh, continue to move that over to the elite series is going to be, you know, the number one objective moving forward. But of course that's what everybody's objective is, you know, in a, out of 107 guys that are in this. So yeah. The, the dude over at advanced bass stats. I talked to when I booked you the other day, I talked to you about this as a uh, Instagram account. It's like a D V bass stats. And he comes out with all sorts of crazy cool stuff. He's got to be an engineer anyway. So his list, he had 27 Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit guys that are moving over to fish all nine opens this year. Before the tech glitch, I was going to get into this, and then boom, full screen, James Niggemeyer, and then I came back and we just rolled with it. But uh, there's a lot of guys on this list that are have made their living on FLW. I mean, Mike Sermon, one of them, he's fished every single <laughs> FLW event there's ever been, but... That list, and it might, there might be, he has a little asterisk here. He's like, hey, if I messed up, I messed up. But this is the most complete list here for the 27. Have you seen the 27? Uh, I, well, yes, I did. Well, actually, after you told me about that Instagram page, I went over there. I looked at it last night and I looked at it again this morning. He's got some really good, interesting information there, some great content on there. And, yeah. um, you know, before you showed me uh, that or draw, drew my attention to it, um, I really hadn't. I hadn't looked at it all. Um, I, I'm doing some projects here at the house and uh, waiting for my new ranger to come. Come And so everything's kind of in this little limbo period where um, I can take care of some things that just get dropped once fishing begins. And so that, so I've not really just dove into it. And uh, it was a couple of days ago, I was talking to Bill McDonald. I said, well, do you know how many guys they have? He's like, yeah, 107, I can't remember, 170 <laughs> something. And I was like, really, how do you know? You know, so I'd, I've, I've been a little bit disconnected with it, but yeah, coming back around and things are moving forward pretty quick. Be 2020, 
three here real quick. So, but yeah, this information's great. Did look at some of the names on there, and yeah, there's guys that have been fishing for veterans for a long time. Uh, yeah, Bill McDonald. This is the list: Bill McDonald, Blake Smith, Bobby Lane, who obviously is coming over from the BPT as well. Brad Knight, uh, Cup winner. Brandon McMillian, yeah. Brandon McMillan. We could put be Brandon McMillian in in Florida too. Brandon McMillan. Uh, that's kind of a cool nickname, McMillian. Yeah, it is. I wonder, has on. he won a million bucks in Florida? Between everything, hold on. I gotta look him up. <laughs> that's a good question. I've just kind of got to know Brandon the last couple years. I, I like him. He's a good guy. Six hundred fifty-seven thousand with FLW. Didn't he make a classic too? Yes, he did. He uh, fished the opens, the southerns, and I think he won on Seminole. That's pretty. That <laughs> I can just access that. That's yeah, um, six fifty. Uh, he's close. Uh, he's got. He's got like a, almost a hundred thousand with bass. So six fifty-seven. So seven, he's not, he can't be Brandon McMillian, but no, you add what he's won in Florida. Then outside of it, I promise you, he's won a million bucks fishing. Oh yeah. Yeah. You did know that off the top of your head. Cause that win was a long time ago. I remember it. That was in 2015. Caught, I remember that event just because he caught him flipping grass and I, I, you know, I'd rather do that than eat. So, um, I just remember watching some of that or look, reading it or something like that. So Brandon McMillan, uh, Casey Scanlon, uh, I would not, I don't want to mess with Casey Scanlon on a regular basis. He's proven to be pretty dominating. And then, hey, let's just have one on, let's just have one in his, it is out of his back door. He just walked down and hop in the boat on Lake of the Ozarks and just show everybody how it's done. And Casey's the guy that I feel like in a lot of times he, he's very, uh, uh, he's got like laser focus. I mean, he's just, he's serious about it. Yeah. Yeah. Chad Grigsby, Chad Warren, Clark Ream, Daryl Davis, Evan Barnes, Greg Bohannon, you, Jason Abram, Jason Leiblong, Jason Menninger, Jimmy Washam, John Canada, Josh Bragg, Kurt Mitchell, Kyle Gillies. Gillies? G-E-L-L-E-S? I haven't had him on before. Is that I think it's Giles. Giles? Gellis? Gellis? that's what okay. it is. Mike Sermon, Miles Berghoff, Shane Lineberger, Takayuki Kiyoki, Terry Ludke, and Tim Frederick. Dude, there's a bunch of guys on there that are veterans that rely on bass fishing. Like, that's what they do is bass fish and have done it for a long time. I mean, you're not talking about kids that are just going out there like, hey, let's try to make the Elite Series. You're talking about guys who are like, hey... I've spent decades establishing my name and career and wins and have a lot riding on this that are now jumping in Bassmaster Opens. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, guys that have won at the tour level and have won championships at the tour level. There's two of them there, if not three. Um, there's some hammers. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. And also, while we're on it, just to wrap it up, I think right now there were 11 NPFL guys that are coming over to the Opens, and then obviously Bobby Lane, Ish Monroe, and then Jason Lambert announced it, and then Kenta is now the Ironman of bass fishing. He's fishing the Elite Series and all nine Opens this year. So uh, very interesting list there with 175. Wow. 
You good to take a break? And when we come back, I want to get into some old school stories. I were you I believe it was you. I don't think we've said it on I don't think we've told this story on how you ended up in Texas because it involves Dean Rojas, right? It does. Yeah. Have you told that story on BTL? I don't remember. I've told this story a lot. I don't think you have. I I, I may have. I know. Yeah. Um, I know he and Jeffries uh, are good buddies and. Um, I may have told that story, but I don't know. We can t- retell it if we want. Okay. I mean, because I like to retell it. Yeah, because you were like, yeah. I don't think anyone ever includes you in the list of West Coasters to make the move. Like you're Texas's yeah. James Nigemeyer. I've been grandfathered into Texas. Yeah, no one knows. I, I feel like yeah. in the list they talk about the list of guys who moves. You see those lists. Are you ever included in that list? Never. No. Like, and you should I, I be. I, I don't know that I'm ever included in a West Coast list. And I don't know why that is. Yeah. That's what we're going to get into. Okay. All right. We'll take our first break of the show when we come back. West Coast angler, James Nigemeyer. <laughs> BTL on a Monday. We'll be back right after this. Introducing HDS Pro. Watch fish reacting to your lure live with Active Target 2. Get game-changing clarity in the megahertz range with the new Active Imaging HD Sonar. Find the richest fishing spots with CMAPS charts. Take full control of your boat with the ultimate fishing system, HDS Pro. The more you see, the more you catch. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length industry-leading design coupled with tournament-winning performance. The Puma STS from BassCat. Feel the rush. Hey guys, Gerald Swindle representing the AFCO Hydronaut. This is the jacket I love wearing when times is tough, and I'm talking about the weather, not the fishing. The jacket, what I like, I got a double cup right here. I can seal up the bottom of my jacket, because when you're fishing, you're holding your arms up, you're bad about getting water, runs downhill. Everything bends good, I'm long arm. Look, it fits very comfortable. My arms are flexible. I've got the speed hood on, pouring down rain. I can get everything zipped up. One thing they did is they made plenty of pocket space. If you ain't got no pockets in a Hydronaut rain suit, you just got too much stuff from the waterman brain that's 30k baby 30 times the reason you ain't gonna get wet super warm if it's cold in the winter time you put on your hydronaut you're gonna be a much more comfortable person if you want to just look sexy at dairy queen wear your hydronaut we got it from small to 5x most rain gear does not come in that many sizes you got waist adjusting straps we can make it fit you no matter what the environment is we want you to be comfortable we want you to be dry you gotta check it out it ain't gonna let you down the kvd 100 jerkbait 15 different colors, a perfect combination of roll, wiggle, and flash. Increased castability, 3D eyes, premium black nickel hooks, KVD, tie one on, striking lures. 
All right, welcome back to BTL talking with James Nigemeyer. We'll have Matt Looney on in the final segment of the show also uh, to talk about the Bass for Beckers giveaway. Time is running out to get your entries in for that. Also, head over to omniafishing.com slash BTL for a chance to win five of Seth Fighter's favorite Daiwa reels. That runs through the end of the month. Omniafishing.com dot com slash btl all right let's get back to james nigemeyer and before the break we were talking about your west coast origins and how you ended up in texas when you said you've been grandfathered in but you've told the story before i know that but not on btl i don't think a lot of people think of you as a west coast guy in fact i know a lot don't but it's kind of a fortuitous meeting that ended you up in the lone star state yeah uh I don't know how far you want to go back, but I lived about 15 minutes from Don Iavino's house. And uh, Don um, took me under his wing and uh, really helped me kind of get my feet wet. And that's how I met Dean Rojas. And Dean and I fished some team events. And we actually won a team event together on Kistak. And uh, anyways, uh, he really was instrumental in saying, hey, you need to move out to the West. I mean, out to the to uh, Texas from the West coast and, um, really to pursue your career, start guiding on Lake Fork. I've got some friends and that was Lance Vick and, um, Kelly Jordan and Mark pack. And that's how you need, you know, that's what you need to do. And also I met Mark Davis at a, uh, um, at a, uh, seminar and he was, uh, he was just standing there. Nobody was talking to him. And I went up to him and I said, man, I really want to do this for a living. What do I need to do? And he said, you need to guide. And, um, and so, you know, with two different people telling me, you know, you need to guide, you need, you need to spend more time on the water. And the only way you can do that and pay bills is to guide and trying to guide out West. I did a little bit of it, but, um, it was just so inconsistent. I don't know if I just didn't hustle it enough to try to build that business, but moving out to Texas, moving out to fish on Lake Fork and guide there was a, a much smoother where I shouldn't say was more of a. It wasn't that smooth, but it was something where, um, or I could see it more conceivably in my head, making it that way, and then being closer to all the action and fishing the opens. Back then was the Invitationals, and I believe it was still boat on boat draw. But yeah, Rojas and I uh, fished some team events, and um, you know, I was good friends with uh, Aaron Martins as well. You know, he, he, you know, I gave him a lot of my money fishing against mm-hmm. him back in the day, and um, yeah, so that's. And was buddies with Byron Belvick and um, John Murray and just uh, just kind of that whole group of guys trying to make that transition from a guy that fished team events to, to, to fish the pro, actually fish at a national level. So that was really um, kind of the springboard. Moved out here in 2001 and uh, had a, you know, an 18-foot boat with a carbureted motor, 150 carbureted motor on it. And, you know, packed everything into my little Chevy Astro van at that I had at the time and uh, really had a mountain of debt and had no idea how I was going to do it. And I think my parents both gave me about two weeks before I'd come home, or that's what they thought the longevity of that plan was. Left a a long-term relationship uh, with somebody that, uh, um, yeah, I just kind of left everything, just dropped it all and drove out here. And it was really no plan. I didn't even have a place to stay. Stayed on Kelly Jordan's couch. Or no, Lance Vick's couch or floor the first night. Kelly Jordan's couch the second night. And, um, yeah, it was a rough go. I lived in a barn for a while. And 
I lived in a, a warehouse and on people's couches and so on and so forth. Um, it was quite the, that's the short story. <laughs> so how did you make it, how did you make it work without going home after two weeks? Like, what was it? So that made it stick. Uh, yeah. Well, Lance Vick, um, he was able to give me my first guide trip and then, um, really it was a lot of different people helping me out and uh, working for Mark and Donna Pack at Lay Fork Tackle. They, um, <clears throat> I was going to try to just do the guide thing, but a new guy, a newbie showing up, nobody, you know, I wasn't getting any trips and I don't know how I thought I was going to get trips. Nobody who would even know I was there. How much had you spent Unless on the I, lake before you moved there? Like how many days did you have on Lake Fork before you decided to become a guide on Lake Fork? Well, I moved there in February I moved here in February, and I think I had my first trip like mid March. So I was spending some time on the water. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and thankfully, I had friends that were, you know, people that fished the lake that were, you know, helping me and and so on and so forth. But it, it was my first trip was a half day trip that Lance Vick gave me that, uh, um, which I was super appreciative of. But it wasn't, you know, that obviously wasn't really paying the bills, and um, it was, you know, pretty rough. And so then I worked for Lake Fork Tackle then, and um, and then uh, working both in the retail section of it, and then also um, in the uh, in the wholesale part of it, shipping and receiving, and just doing all kinds of stuff, doing whatever I could to survive. It. Actually, even assembling lures and packaging lures at night to get paid by the piece to make extra money. So um, it it was a rough go. I'll, I'll say that. Was there a, a moment or a year or something where you were like, holy cow, I'm not on a living day to day. There's light at the end of the tunnel. This is going to work. I'm not going to have to go home. Or did it, was it just get up every day and do it and get up the next day and do it? And before you knew it, you were established. Um, no, I don't know that I ever was like, you know, that was the thing. I was just blindly running into it. Going, not really counting the cost or even thinking about, can I do this? When is this going to run out? I I was just, I just kept running hard after it. And um, I think if I knew how close or, you know, what on the brink of it all folding any day, I had a mountain of debt when I left the West Coast um, just because, uh, you know, fishing's expensive and living on the West Coast is expensive. So, um, I was trying to pay that and, um, gosh, it was, uh, it was just touch and go there for a while until uh, I, you know, I got promoted at Lake Fork and, um, and, and that was kind of the beginning of things taking a step in the right direction. But I also, like I mentioned that barn, uh, this lady, um, Sandy Sellers said I could live in her barn, which her bar, she had like a big ranch. She needed a ranch hand. And um, her barn was a typical barn below, but it had a concrete floor. And then up above, it was converted. There was a couple of single beds. And I was able to get a, a little refrigerator and a TV. And there was a shower and the toilet down below. And so it was like a living quarters. But I could stay there as long as I um, fed her cows and watered her cows and made sure that, you know, they had everything that they needed to do. I had to tend to her animals. And so I could stay there no charge. And for in those six months, I was able to, you know, pay down and save and kind of get, you know, the noose out off of my neck 
and and really kind of breed a little bit better. And um, yeah, that those were some different things that. Uh, um, and then you know I made a major major change in my life. Um, I became a Christian then in two thousand and one, and that really kind of began things changing not only in me and my heart but just in the way I did life. And that I feel like is more, much more a bigger part of um, getting things right in my life and um, working towards um, figuring out a, a plan <laughs> so, or getting a purpose for life. Sure. That's, that's a cool, that's a crazy story. So, I mean, that almost kind of leads to when you were standing there waiting to see if you'd gotten into the elite series or not. You desperately wanted to get back in this year, but at the same time, I mean, you honestly, it wasn't like you were just saying it to make yourself feel better. You honestly believed it. Well, maybe there's a plan for why I didn't make it this year if I end up not getting in, and there'll be a plan if I do get in. So, I mean, there's all sorts of things that go back that allow you to kind of put a lot of things into perspective that I think a lot of guys might not have. Yeah, I I think it, obviously, it it's still difficult. Cause you're, there's a part of you that, you know, you, you, I want these things to happen in, in, in my timing and I want it to all work out, but, um, I don't, you know, I don't know all the things that are going on. And so there's still a part of it. That's really hard for me to, to take a grip for, take a grip of, or take a handle of. But the reality is, is that, um, I know that there's, I know that there's, you know, things are, are going to be fine. I have that that piece about it, so um, I don't have to. I mean, there's don't get me wrong. I stress about some stuff, but that's just again me trying to trying to figure it all out. And I don't know that I I need to. I just need to. Yeah. All right. So you moved in. You said two thousand and one. Right. Right. Yep. Two thousand one. Okay. So this is. This is what I find interesting. I want you to go through this. If you don't mind, I mean, I'm not hope I'm not like prying no, no, no. stuff you didn't want to talk about. That's good. But you, you weren't good for the first three years, James. Like you didn't cash checks. You didn't make any money. You were, and I'm assuming you didn't have paying sponsors at that point. If you were talking about where we you're living and where you were, where you were, you're working maybe Lake Fork at the max. But I mean, from 2001, you start out your first tournament, you move, you zero the Oklahoma Central Open on Fort Gibson. <laughs> You and then, aware of that event at all? What? Do you, do you have any no. history on that at all? Was that the one that was like a total disaster where no one caught anything at all and it was during the fish virus? That was it, the largemouth bass virus. The Lake Fork had gotten hit, and then um, and then Fort Gibson, a lot of Oklahoma fisheries, and then that same year, even look at the Ozarks, was, I believe, on that schedule. I'm not making excuses for myself. No, no, no. I remember guys in Oklahoma will talk about they'll be they were fishing in tournaments for that two year period and they'd be like out on a point throwing a jig and three pounders would be spiraling up off of the bottom dead. Yeah, there was a lot of fish that were, you know, seen along shorelines and just it was a bad deal. And um, Lady of the Ozarks was also a super rough one. But those two events. Yeah, I mean, definitely. No, I did not do well at all. And um and uh yeah it was it was it was a, like i said the beginning of moving out here was anything but um was anything but easy i, I mean i i questioned everything you know um 
it was just, it was one of those things and I wasn't patient about it at all. So, uh, like you were stressing about it for these years. Like, is this the right thing? And I mean, Oh yeah. No. I, I, and I was more frustrated. Like it, it just didn't just kind of being naive about it. Yeah. I moved out here from California and I'm supposed to be catching them right out of the gates. Right. Yeah. Like that's going to happen. You know, <laughs> we'll have to pay your dues. Um, some people actually have to, to do that, you know? And so, um, definitely that was something that I was just frustrated with the fact that things weren't working out and, and really just having a tough go. And that, I feel like all that's really, um, really, uh, as a result of my life, just being completely upside down. And, um, yeah. And so it, it just showed in every area. And then you got things straightened out and this is where it gets wild because you've made it through this and then you see this so many, like I remember Skeet Reese being like, yeah, I was one tournament away from being done. And other, uh, I think Chris Lane was even like that at one. There's a number of guys that are like, dude, and then this happened or, or this tournament. But then you have like 50,000, 25,000, 73,000, 12, and, and that's in like 2004 and 2005. And since then you've been a consistent check casher. But you weren't before that. It was that. Do you remember that? I would assume then, whatever the Bassmaster Series Regional Three, the fifty thousand dollars out of Louisiana. Yeah, I do remember that. that. Had to Absolutely. be massive. It was really huge because here's the deal. I believe that tournament was in October, and my son was born the end of September. That might have been November, and I was, I literally like. Well, before that, I won the BFL regional on Washita like a month earlier. I can remember calling a friend going, I'm here driving to Lake Washita to fish a BFL regional. And I've got like just no money in the bank. I don't know what I'm going to do, how this is going to work out. And, uh, and we're getting ready to go into the fall and winter and there's no guide trips. And just, yeah, just in it, in winning that event. And then, you know, that momentum, I win that, uh, the next event over on, uh, on the Red River, just blown away at God's provision in that blown away. Um, yeah. Oh dude, that was $60,000. Yeah. So you went a hundred. Oh my gosh. You went like five years and like, Hey, and then you went 60,000, 50,000, and then you made the elite series. Yeah. And that was 15. No, that was 22 years ago now. Yeah, it's a long time. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah you 20, moved in 2000. 2001. In January, it'll be 22 years ago. Yeah. That's a good story, James. <laughs> well, and then it, it, it only got better, if you can believe it. Because the next year they had they changed the opens to a northern and southern tour and that was only two divisions but there were five events and uh, and in the southern in 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 both the northern and the southern the guy that won the points got their elite series entry fees paid for the year that was 55,000 because there were 11 events that in those first few formative years of the elite series and i won the points in the southerns and that's how i began my career on the elite series
so how have you gone this far without getting a chip on your shoulder, without having any bitterness? Uh, you don't you don't have to be uh you don't have to be humble here. I mean, you're considered legitimately one of the nicest guys on tour. Uh probably the nicest guy on tour as far as not a, a, a bad word said about you, your respect on the water, the way you go about things. But I mean, through that story, you would think that there would be like a little dude, I got to do what I got to do to get mine. And if you're in my way, I'm going to go through you. And that's not bad. I mean, that's just people. Has that always been your demeanor? Very laid back, respectful? Or is there some other reason that you seem to always have a be kind of at, at peace and not aggressively try? <laughs> you know where I'm going with that? Yeah, I, I, um, I think there was kind of that. I think I've, to a degree that's been kind of my personality, but, but um, I, I I will say that um, my faith in Jesus is the is the reason that I have that uh, that I have that peace, um, not something that I'm trying to do on my own. And I think that sometimes when there things aren't working out, I for sure I'm trying to uh, you know I'm stressing about it or whatever, and I'm you know upset. And um, but at the end of the day, if I'm, if it, if, if there's anything good in me about how I handle it, it's definitely, I give that glory to God. Cause I'm like, I'm like anybody else, uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> like come across looking pretty good. But, um, I think, you know, we all kind of have h- hard times handling some things, some setbacks and some mm-hmm. challenges. And I mean, like, like perfect example, 2017, not requalifying for elite series and the, and some of the, the things that happen as a result of that, um, to, to go into almost winning the Forestwood cup was just, uh, it was such a huge, I felt like it was like the Lord saying, Hey, I, I got you, you know? And there's times when you feel like, man, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so just to have that peace is huge. It's, it's you come huge. off of that year and you do six figures the first year going over the FLW tour <laughs> just in earnings. Yeah. Yeah, and and that that is something that if you look at my career, it is a roller coaster, and I don't know. How, I would love to. I would love to flatten a lot of that, and you know, obviously keep the highs, but not have such low years because you you de- I definitely have some years that are some doozies, and you don't even know. And and I think about this um, in in this game that we play, and I've seen it with you know, legendary status anglers and they come back and they bounce back so hard. So I know that it's, I'm not alone in that area, but it's just one of those things where you're like, how can I fix that? And, um, and, and it seems like for me, the harder I try to fix it, the worse it gets. And so I just kind of have to surrender it and just be like, okay, I'm going to have to take the lumps and I'm going to take the good years too. And, um, so, and just be at peace with it and be, you know, thankful that I get to do this. I still am. I mean, I love what I do and I still, uh, I'm so thankful that I get to do this. I really do. I mean, it's, it's awesome. I love it. I really do. That's really good stuff. Why are you not every angler you name from the West coast that helped you and that came over, took a lot of West coast stuff with them. And even to this day are known as finesse fishing guys, swim bait guys, weird West coast stuff, guys. You yeah. did not seem to bring any of that stuff with you. You're like a very versatile power fisherman. Where where did all the West Coast tactics and big swim baits and drop shots and all that go, James? 
So when I left, the swim bait thing was just catching on. And at that okay. point, I'd caught one six pounder on, a you know, like a 10 inch swim bait or not even that. It was probably like a six inch swim bait, but that was giant to me. Um, but there weren't really any big swim baits being made. Guys were taking, you know, saltwater, you know, boot tail swim baits and they were putting them on and getting them in rainbow trout color patterns. Anyways, that was I kind of left that behind when I because it was this whole, well, there's trout on the West Coast. There's not anywhere else. I'll leave that behind. And when I moved out here, you know, like Mark Pack and Kelly Jordan were like, dude, I know you're from the West Coast. Talk to me about this drop shot thing. And I'm like, well, I do do the drop shot, but it's not something that I want to do. I've always just loved, you know, I kind of um, during that time when I really was a was following the sport of bass fishing. I was following Danny Brower and just the way that he would catch him on a jig everywhere. And that appealed to me just kind of the way I'm wired, I guess, I, I guess. And, and so, um, just the whole power fishing thing and then Van Dam with the spinner bait and, uh, guys with the square bills and, um, you know, clung with the square bill, the balls square bills and just different things like that. I love the idea of mixing it up in the mud and, and being close to your fish and kind of tricking them up. Um, and so that, that always appealed to me. But, but I still, you know, would fish out deep and fish um, finesse and fish light line. And, and those things didn't bother me at all. And that's how I really cut my teeth in Southern California was split shot rig. And um, Aaron, Aaron Martin showing me the drop shot rig the very first time. And just, um, just those types of things um, I always had. But they, weren't, they just weren't as appealing to me. Um, and, and when I try to apply them on tour, the fishing offshore, and um, I would it would be even more inconsistent in my uh, in my finishes and in my results. So I, I kind of I began to kind of part ways with it. Though I still do it, I still throw a drop shot and a wacky rig and mm -hmm. um, those types of things. So um, that's not really, and I even throw a big swim bait from time to time. So I've tried to you know add those things back in. And not just be so one-sided, but you know, be more versatile for sure. And which isn't really that hard because I have so much history with those types of things. Yeah, I mean, plus you move out and you're dealing with Pat and KJ and Lance Vic. They're not exactly, uh, yeah. or exactly, they're not exactly like graceful fishermen. They're Blake Fork Power whack and stack guys. Absolutely. And so you know, coming over here and then just kind of picking up you know, a lot of picking their brains and learning a lot from those guys and the other guys that I met out here, um, that de definitely influenced me and, and kind of fed that, you know, that, uh, desire to want to fit, mm -hmm. um, that style. Last thing I want to get into, and I'll let you go. I greatly appreciate your time this morning, James, and we'll get to, uh, to Matt Looney about the Bass for Becker's giveaway is, uh, what is it like, dude, there's no, there's very few people who've ever, there's like 10 people ever who've experienced that. What is it like launching your boat, knowing you're fishing against one guy and you've got four hours for the trophy and the title in the fish off in the opens? I mean, there's never been a fish off in the elite series. There's, I think, was it uh, Bertrand and who uh, uh, Browning had one at in Texas. They had the, in the A-Rig Derby that was real tough on Louisville. But other oh, than that, right. there's. What is it? What take me back to 2009 when you're like, hey, dude, like all the marbles are on the table here. I go out and I catch him. I, I win the sucker. Yeah. Um, and there's one other guy and it's three and a half so hours that, and it's on a lake that you know. So that was a really weird event because obviously they, they called the first day. It was blown out of the north and um, it was forecasted to really get up there. 
So it, it turned out to be in a, a two day event. And on the second day, obviously I tied and um, the gentleman's name is escaping me at this moment, but um, really a, a Rayburn Toledo hammer. And, but the second day he only had three, but he had like 20 pounds and um, <laughs> something like that. Uh, he had a big weight, but I remember he only had three or I thought he had a big weight. I can't Chapman, remember exactly. Chapman, sorry. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And um, so we, we, you know, uh, Chris Bose took us aside and said, hey, we're going to have to do a fish off. He's like, I don't think I've ever done one of these. This is great. And um, he's like, I know, James, that you've got to get to the uh, to Lake Amistad. And um, but can you stay for the fish off? I said, absolutely. I'll stay for the fish off, you know. And um, and so he said, we're only going to make it. I think it was a was it three? Was it three four and a half hours? hours. Three, three and, and a half, half hours, hours. according yeah. to the article, and it was it was against Gerald Pringle of Hemp Hill. That, yes, yeah. I Gerald. just say you never want to mess with anybody that has Hemp Hill as their hometown on Rayburn or Toledo Bend. Like you know, you're in for a dogfight. I don't care what their first and last names are. <laughs> yeah, they know how to catch well, a bass. I want to say that he said that he was running way up north, and um. And so I was like, gosh, that's really going to cut into his fishing time. And, um, and, and I was just, I was fishing South and I was fishing for spawners. And, um, and so I just literally, I literally caught the first five spawners. I didn't really care what size they were. I'm like, I just got to have fish. I can't, I'm not going to run around here and try to catch a big one. I'm just going to go into the pocket that I, in, you know, finished the, the second day of the event on. I'm going to go back there and just continue to fish my way back and hopefully I can, if I can put five in, that's all that anyone can ask, you know, of me. And I literally caught the first five that I came up, well, not the first five. I, there was other ones that I saw, but, um, I caught five and it was literally like, I was like, man, I just caught my fifth one. I got to go. And I ran back in and I, I don't think I had much weight, but, um, I don't think he had a limit and that was the deciding factor. And, and yeah, it was the kind of my first taste of, um, you know, fishing against the clock and, and really that whole thing that seems to be um, what we do today in a lot of, in a, in a different format. But uh, mm -hmm. that was definitely stressful. I felt like he was fishing with, you know, um, you know, just my, my throat was bunched up. I can remember my stomach just had like, you know, the whole just, time. oh yeah, butterflies the whole time. And, but at the same time, I'm just like, you, James, all you can do is, just try to get five. Just try to, regardless of size, just get catch five. And I don't, I don't think I had a lot of weight, but, um, and I didn't know what, what it was going to take. And I was just like, just go out and, again, that was that was just on my on my agenda for the day is just catch five. And if you catch five, if if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Just do the best you can, and hopefully you run across a big one or two. So that was was that game. a points deal to make the classic? Like top one and two, and the points made it. It wasn't a win, and you're in for the classic that year, was it? it? Not that year. Yeah. I want to say, yeah. Yeah. It was not. I believe I, yeah. I think I made the classic through the that year. Yeah. You had to. Yeah. That's how you made it. You won the first one and then you finished ninth in the second one on Rayburn and 10th in the third one. Yeah. That was a, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I qualified for the elite series, a cl classic on the elite series that same year. And, um, that was a, that was an awesome year, obviously. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome.
Good stuff. What are you running? What's your wrap going to be for the Opens this year? Anything new on board? Anything exciting to look out for over the next nine events from Alabama to uh, Florida? I like starting in Alabama and ending in Florida instead of starting in Florida and ending in Alabama. I like that twist. That that is, it, it, yeah. My my wife was like, well, when you go to Florida, you know, when we have that ice storm, you can just stay down there. You know, <laughs> she was just kind of <laughs> counting on. Yeah, it seems yeah. to be the typical road, but. Um, yeah, that twist is nice. I don't, I haven't, believe it or not, haven't finalized the wrap yet, but I'm, I'm, um, I'm believing that it's going to be, you know, Bass Pro Shops on my wrap again. And I don't know who else might be on there. I don't know how else that's going to figure out. We're still trying to work some of those details out. And, um, definitely, uh, some, some, I definitely some big announcements moving forward, but, um, won't say anything about that just right yet. I'll kind of keep everyone. Ooh. Okay. Well, when you when you're ready to announce that, you know, I feel free to to call BTL up, and you're welcome to jump on and announce those on the show. Absolutely, that'd be great. I appreciate the uh, invite on that. Yeah. So yeah, be, uh, I like the schedule. It'll be be fun. It'll be good. It'll be good to see you out there. And it looks like a lot of the guys that I friends that I have from you know uh, the pro circuit will be there. So it'll be good. It'll be fun. I'll I'll close with this. My enduring memory of you is smoking a uh, possum with a shovel while yelling, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, after it had been eating your chickens when I came out and filmed some stuff way back in the day. Yeah, it was just so brutal. But he was, he was, he was, he had been consistent. I mean, we have, we live out here in the country. So, um, yeah, we have some predators come and try to get our chickens and we got to try to keep that to a, you got to keep the wraps on that. Otherwise, yeah. you know, my wife, she, she's like, Hey, uh, my organic garden and my chickens, as long as we can have that, everything's good. And so, uh, you know, I play, you know, try to kill off the predators and keep them at bay, whether it's snakes or possums or raccoons, what have you. But yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> that was a nice. Say the craziest it? part was you thought you had it and it kept playing possum. So it just eventually oh. just kept getting up and walking away. It was the craziest thing ever. It was so crazy too. And then I, I, you know, I scooped up on the shovel thinking he's dead. And he's like, no, I'm not. And I couldn't believe <laughs> it. just jumps off again. Yeah. Uh, we kill that thing. Crazy. Uh, I, forgot I forgot about that. We had an amazing fishing time on four too. That was awesome. Yeah, I think I mentioned I mentioned Chris and Bobby laid this show too. Like my other memory of them is is after one of the tournaments, they were out enjoying a few cold pops at the hotel with pool skimmers trying to catch a raccoon that had gotten into the pool enclosure, and they got the thing in the pool skimmers, and it just went ham. It went nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I vividly remember that. That was Bobby and Chris. Yeah, they were both out there. I think one of them had had like a top five, had a really good finish, and they were kind of celebrating a little bit. And then Chris, hey, raccoon, let's catch him. I, I bet that was a whole lot more fun than me taking care of that uh, opossum. <laughs> it was. No, I enjoyed it. I was. You guys do like a very healthy lifestyle. And like I said, with the with the chicken coop and the eggs and all that stuff, it's really, really cool. And then you're you're literally right there, right around some of the best fisheries in the country. Yeah, you can really spin a bottle any direction. There's so much fun places that are just not Lake Fork with all the pressure that it receives. Uh, I'm not trying to give it a bad rap, but it just gets so much pressure. It's, it's it's unbelievable. And so, yeah, you can go in any direction, and there's amazing fishing here. Last question, still guiding? Still available? Are you doing anything this winter as far as that's concerned, or that kind of take a back seat over the last couple of years? 
I'm, I'm doing some, I don't do as much, probably do like 20 or 30 trips a year in between, um, boats and, um, I, you know, I can't, but in, in off season, I'll try to do a few. And then during the season, I'll try to do a few, just trying to schedule that out right where it's not interfering with, uh, other things, but yeah, I'll, I still do a handful of them. BTL listener wants to get in the boat with you. And I've spent some time in the boat. Very educational, very fun. You will not regret it. Like I said, limited time. But if they want to get in touch with you, website up to date or DM or Facebook message. Website's there and then Facebook and Instagram if the guy wanted to get a hold of me. And um, yeah, the website's got uh, an email address link. And so, yeah, shoot me an email. Uh, I bet you could find my phone number out there somewhere. So definitely give me a ring. Thanks, dude. Thank you. Enjoy your day. I'll see you. Uh, I guess I won't see you until uh, until the first one. You follow Alabama because yeah. that's before yeah. the classic, isn't it? Yes, I think it is. It's like the last few days of February moving into the first part of March, right? Oh my gosh, it's like two. And a, that's less than three months away. We don't talk about that right now. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff it's, to go on between. It's there. it's scary. All right, uh, James. Thanks. Have a good one. Man. So much appreciate btl having me on um always a pleasure all right we are going to take a break when we come back matt looney uh we'll chat with him a little there's been some breaking news over the last couple days about the uh national professional fishing league the npfl we're increasing payouts doubling payouts hundred thousand dollar payouts Decreasing entry fees by $800, $5,200 entry fee. Top 40 make the championship now. Uh, and it will be very interesting to see how this evolves because it was announced It was announced late. It was announced late. It was announced after deposits were due for Toyotas. It was announced after deposits were due for Invitationals and Bassmaster Opens. And they're drawing from that same pool of anglers that are in that realm of the high entry fee national tour big payouts so uh we'll talk with matt looney i'm going to spring that question on him because he's coming on to talk about uh bass for beckers and the boat giveaway that ends at the end of this month we've had him on uh, a little bit before to talk about it but what a great cause that is it is btl on a monday we will be back right after this elite series pro daryl gleason here my Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years' experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polinick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different. And really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.xzonelures.com and check them out for yourself. Get the best patterns back by tournament data. Start by finding the best 10% of your lake. Know exactly what to look for and what to throw. After that, you just put them in the boat. Try the Deep Dive app today. Look at that beast right there. Are you looking to install your own fishing electronics? Well, the Bass Tank is here to help you. The solution is the Bass Tank Power Harness. 
It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. Installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com. All right, welcome back to BTL, Bass Talk Live, and we are now going to bring in Mr. Matt Looney of Pro Guide Batteries, and uh, you've pretty much fished everything division-wise outside of the like BPT and, and Pro Circuit and Elite Series. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's been, uh, it's been kind of crazy. All right, let's start things off. I wanted to get you on and talk about the uh, Bass for Beckers giveaway. This is something that you've done for a long time. We've had you on the show before, and I keep always saying, dude, like you can call and like utilize BTL for this. This is like a really good giveaway. We're like, like kind of platform. So then I saw it. And I was like, man, you need to come on and talk about it because this is the last. It's winding down the days to uh, to sign up uh, to win. What is it? Your is the one you run last year or the one you're running this year? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's the boat I ran last year during the season. Uh, my 2022 Skeeter FXR 20, uh, stays fully rigged, all the electronics, all the beat down mounts, everything on it. Um, and, and it's a cool cause. So we basically, we raffle it off for $25 per ticket throughout the year. Uh, and then the last day for the drawing is 2 PM central time on the 31st. And then we will draw on new year's day, uh, we'll go live on Facebook and different things to really announce it, but uh, it gives us uh, it gives us a cool opportunity to raise money for kids with muscular dystrophy. Uh, we started out; my nephew was diagnosed in 2017, and we were having to sell T-shirts uh, to basically raise money. And it was like, man, there's got to be a better way than selling T-shirts. And so, partnered with Skeeter and Yamaha, and they came along and really, really helped us out to where we were able to do this. And this is the third boat this year. Uh, already have the fourth boat, you know, in production right now, I'm planning to keep doing this as long as we can possibly do it. So pretty excited. But yeah, so those are a couple of click on videos. Uh, you can see as they receive their boats, the first two guys, uh, some monthly prize winners, things like that. Um, but yeah, no, very cool opportunity. Like I said, it, it's ending on the 31st. December is a month that we typically don't have a monthly prize because... The, the prize is the boat. So we're, yeah. everybody's getting ready to getting ready to go. So yeah, very, very Literally 25 bucks, 25 bucks. You get a chance to win. Um, if you buy four tickets or more, you get a free shirt or a hat. If you're on the site you go to the products tab, you can see those uh, Yamaha branded shirts and hats. And so a uh, really cool opportunity. You got a few minutes to chat about the national professional fishing league. Yeah, of course. Of course. All right. Uh, to set, let's set the stage. Originally came out after I thought a very successful uh, season last year. Had some uphill hurdles as far as kind of weather scheduling and things like that. But came out uh, and ended up having a good year. And then announced six thousand uh, dollar entry fees going forward into this year. And I know that uh, Brad Fuller was just on uh, Business from the Bass Boat, good podcast too. But he verbalized, "Hey, we had like twenty guys signed up." Yeah, like not it was not good. I like fold, league folding type stuff, and this was very recently. And I had a feeling something was kind of up because all of a sudden they announced a hundred thousand dollars last week for each event, dropped the entry fee from six thousand down to fifty three hundred. But there were also like 
registration links accompanying that information, which is never a good sign when you're two, three months from the season started. And they're like, hey, look, sign up for this, especially when you've got waiting lists for opens. Toyotas are full. They're able to fill fill all the other fields. So uh, you fished it a number of years. Your thoughts and opinions on what's going on and what the MPFL needs to do. You don't have to give your opinion on that, but I mean, what's your, what are your thoughts on it? You're an MPFL angler. I want to get yeah. your thoughts on it. Yeah. You're one of these guys. Absolutely. No, as a trail, and I, you know, I've said it from the beginning, it is by far one of the best ran trails I've been in as far as the, the ownership truly cares about the anglers. Um, now, that's not to say no one has stubbed their toes along the way. Uh, but it is a brand new business. Show me any business that is extremely successful in their first two years without any kind of, you know, hiccups. So, um, you know, this year, openly and honestly, I was a guy, one of, I was not one of those 20 that were signed up um, with uh, the price increase and, you know, kind of all the travel expenses going up continually. Uh, and I've got a new baby that's six months old. It just it didn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, and then with these changes, uh, I also had a, a new sponsor kind of come along and offer to pay those entry fees. And so, yeah, so we got signed back up where, you know, got the contract signed, got deposits in, um, hoping to fill this thing up because, uh, it really is now, especially with the, with the increase in the payout, the increase in boats, getting to go to that championship event. Um, it's it's one of the best tours you can get on if that's what you're looking is to fish for a high amount of money pay a high entry fee um i don't see any other reason not to fish it the uphill battle though is the anglers who are looking to fish for a high amount of money and are capable of paying a high entry fee are locked in the majority of them are locked into whether it's the toyota series with deposits the opens you know all the guys who are fishing the eqs and i believe there's 11 uh, MPFL anglers on that list that are fishing all of them currently right now, but you're $7,200 in right now and you can't get that back. Like if you get it back, you just eat 7,200 bucks if you want to go back and the same thing with the invitational. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if there are anglers who will pull out, if there are anglers who will that now who will add, try to add uh, the MPFL to their schedule. Uh, yeah, no, I'm interested couple... to see. I'm very interested to see if this will work because it seems like a like a really good deal, but tough timing. It is tough timing, and like I said, it was very tough timing to add to the entry fees uh, with kind of how the economy is, and um, they, they found that out. Um, and it wasn't a you know told you so type situation for anybody. It was just a business decision they made, trying to make it the best as they could. Uh, initially they were going to pay down to like 60 places next year. Uh, and what they were able to do is shorten that up to, uh, to around 40 places and be able to pay that larger uh, first place prize. Uh, and I, and I know that there's some anglers um, on the elite series and some English fishing, the invitationals that are able to do both. Uh, and that was part of, you know, need, needing the sponsor to help with entries is I have my deposits mm-hmm. in, you know, so personally I, I had deposits paid and I had to, uh, I had to basically eat those deposits in order to fish this, but um, thankfully I was able to do so. And now there's in a pickle because now everybody who's on board with that, it has to go or else now with everything filled up, there's going to be a whole group of guys who don't have anywhere to fish. So that is right. the incentive for the current NPFL anglers to really try to get the word out and, and make sure. I wonder, like I said, I, 
you're not like representing the NPFL or anything. Yeah, you're just an angler who fishes the NPFL. And and in all fair disclosure, uh, Pro Guide sponsored the NPFL last yep, and we year. We will be next year as well. Yep. And will be next year as well. So you do have some connection there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but as an angler is kind of how I'm talking to you about this yeah. now. But yeah, that's really going to put guys in a pickle. And, and it didn't sound based on the the. I haven't listened to the entire business from the basketball's podcast, but the portion of it, it didn't sound like it was a thousand, a hundred percent. Yeah. We're going to get the 120. It sounded more like a, Hey, this is our best effort to do. And we're going to do everything we can literally instead of just fold up shop. Right. Uh, yeah, no, and but that puts some guys in a pickle then who have, who've decided to do that. If it doesn't come to fruition. hundred percent. Yeah. The guys that were, um, were faithful from the start um, and didn't sign up for anything else this year, it could definitely make it an, an off year for them. Um, but I, I really think based on the numbers of contracts I hear going out and different things, uh, now, now we all know saying something and actually doing something are two different things. So, I mean, even when we only had 20 guys signed up, there was still hundreds of contracts out there. We just got, got to get them signed, got to get deposits paid. Um, but it sounds like, you know, things are really ticking up. Uh, like I said, I know they've more than doubled in people that are, deposits paid and everything after they've announced that um so we're just just going to continue to try to fill it up it's interesting you can go to the website and it's like hey here's the big news underneath it and then 79 days until the season kicks off so yeah. lots to happen in the next 79 days 100 percent. and in the next 18 19 days lots to happen with the bass for beckers giveaway yeah absolutely, absolutely. bass for beckers.com bass for beckers.com is where you can go uh, you can go to our Facebook and Instagram. There's links there as well. Um, but yeah, again, just uh, on that side of it, extremely thankful for Skeeter and Yamaha allowing us to do this. Um, and then on the on the MPFL side, extremely thankful for some new sponsors that have not been announced yet for allowing me to fish it next year uh, and even have my family travel with me. So we're going to have, have a little baby on tour and it'll be good. Nice. I'm going to take this opportunity for the first time in BTL history to let people know that there is a Pro Guide Batteries discount code for BTL listeners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny is it gets used quite a bit, but you never talk about it. I know. I don't know how that works. <laughs> if you are, are interested in uh, in lithiums, lead acid, any battery needs for anything. Do you guys do a lawnmower battery? I've got a, uh, I've got a John Deere it yeah. is a pain in the butt. So the thing, when I take it off, it's got like white foam around all of the little battery things. And I used to be able to jump it using the jumper that you told me to get because my lead acids went completely dead and I had to jump it to get it. It's a long story anyway. So for a month, it would just go dead, but I could be like, and I could get it back it out and then get the boat out. Well, now that's, to- that's toast. That's not working anymore. So now it's foaming at the ports. Yeah. And I'm assuming that, I need a, a, a new small battery for the John Deere. I mean, there's potential that you could clean those terminals off. And it's just I tried and it didn't work. They okay, just get foamy yeah. again, and, yeah, no, and it doesn't so, even charge. I try to charge it; it just it gives me that ear the error thing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let it get too low. Let it get too low. But no, so we. I mean, as a company, as Pro Guide, you know, we're all marine. Uh, battery Outfitters is the is the overall company, and we've got everything from watch batteries to your key fobs to trucks to commercial floor scrubbers um train battery like literally okay. anything you need a so i can take a picture of it and you could tell me which one i need to order 100 percent, and we, we do have a location in oklahoma city as well so oh that would be very handy so i could just mm-hmm. roll in there and roll in yeah 
Absolutely. Or I could order it online using the code BTL and earn an additional 10%. Yeah, so the only thing order. you can't order online is, um, is lead batteries. acid. You can't ship lead acid. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you can't use it on batteries. No. Um, so AGM and lithiums, it works fantastic. That code works. If you can go to a battery outfitter store, you can use that code and get 10% off lead acid. What I just I tell I can walk in and say, hey, I have a discount code BTL, and they look it up on the computer. Yep, they've got a system oh, I didn't know that, that has either. all the codes on it, yep. I'm assuming that's a lead acid battery in there. Yes. Can I do a lithium? Can I do a lawnmower lithium? We actually do have them. Yeah. That would be worth more than the lawnmower though. Cause I got it for like 1200 bucks. At a, at a oh, they're not sale. that bad. They're not that bad. So we have a power sports line. We'd use one of those. And then I'd be good for like a year or two. You can actually have those power sports lithiums. You can turn them off too. So say when it gets cold, you can just hold the button down and it goes off and then stays charged until you need it again. That's good stuff. All kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. Batteries, right. You get on batteries. Well, back, back on board with the uh, MPFL in 2023. Bassford Beckers, I just want to have you jump on. Uh, I, I Did you get a chance to listen? I saw you down there doing some work, but James' story is super cool. Oh, yeah. Awesome, dude. I've I ran into James a few times. Um, every time been super, like, super great, super personable. Um, and it's really, I mean... I hope he goes and kills it this year. I think you want to talk about a dude who is is awkwardly aware of every nuance rule in the book. Yeah. And is James. Like, let's say, for instance, Grand Lake is on the schedule and it's off limits. And he calls me and he's like, Hey Matt, what's going on? And I said, Oh, good. Just got done crappie fishing on Grand. His next thing would be like, I can't speak to you. I have a tournament on Grand Click. <laughs> yeah. Hang up. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. just how he, he is, and, and everyone just respects the heck out of that guy. So, hundred percent. No, he's by far one of the most respected anglers, probably still fishing right now. Ticket number eight two five one and eight two five two has just been purchased. Yeah, I'll make sure and uh, make sure and draw those. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh-huh. So just just because I do get asked this. Um, it is a third-party generated ticket drawing system. We do everything live with the camera on the computer screen, so uh, there is no no kind of buddy deals. Or oh, it's live, so you can see that. Yeah, you can see you get to see who wins, and you get to see that I don't just pick a buddy. Yeah, and then I, I make you can contact. tell because the first guy I won, and I had to drive to my Lake Pleasant in Arizona to deliver it. So ah, there's worse places. It could have been like Fargo or something. Yeah, that's true. I got not that finish, I love Fargo. I've been to Lake Fargo. Pleasant. I enjoy Fargo. Like I said, you're gonna get the, the only out. place that I openly speak poorly of is that lake in Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Other than that, I'm, I'm just kidding on that. No. I'm good to go. So, all right, Matt Looney, I appreciate it. Have a good day working, yeah. and thank you for jumping on BTL. Absolutely, I appreciate it. All right, see ya. All right, that was Matt Looney. We're going to take our final break. And when we come back, like I said, I did want to dive in where I got my sheet of paper right here. I did want to uh, dive into some of the uh, open numbers that are out now that Bass has announced the 175 anglers that are fishing the EQs. So BTL on a Monday, closing things out with some open info after this. Vibrating jigs are a great choice for any time of year, and the Kamikaze Swim On is a perfect match for any vibrating jig. Two sizes and the unique tail design gives it a bait fish profile and a great swimming action for realism. There are 17 colors. See them all at BigBiteBaits.com. 
The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat. So you can never have enough new colors. That's why Spro is coming out with a handful of new colors, including Pearl Shad, which has this bleached out white look, but it's got this pearlescent, really, really pretty. We've got Copper Shad, which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back, really, really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the matte Sexy Shad, just a really different looking color for a crankbait. So you wanna give them a little different look, that matte Sexy Shad is definitely the one to go with. All these colors are available in the original Little John and the MD. Combining one of the most popular hook styles with Gamakatsu's beefier Superline offering, the Gamakatsu Superline Offset Round Bend delivers the strength necessary to target big fish in heavy cover. Well suited for braided line and heavier fluorocarbon, the Gamakatsu Superline Offset Round Bend is built using stronger Superline wire that allows anglers to easily fish a finesse worm around heavy cover. The round bend offers a larger bite area, perfect for any worm presentation, while increasing your hookup ratios. The newly enhanced Z-Bend holds your plastics on the hook longer, reducing the number of pull-offs and reducing damage to plastics. Available in 2-aught, 3-aught, 4-aught, and 5-aught, this is the most durable worm hook, designed for heavier lines that hold your bait on longer. Preparation is key to success, and that preparation starts well before you ever hit the water. You're only as strong as your connection to the fish, and your line is that critical connection. Confidence in your line every minute of every day on the water is a necessity, and failure, it's not an option. Sunline makes the fluorocarbon, nylon, and braided lines to give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. All right, welcome back, BTL on a Monday. Great show today, James Nigemeyer, uh, talking about returning to the Bassmaster Opens after over a decade on the Bassmaster Lead Series in a career with uh, MLFLW. And like I said, I was per perusing uh, ins Instagram there, and Advanced Bass Stats always comes out with some interesting stuff. And one of the things that they did was, uh, or he did, who, or it could be a lady who does this, I'm not sure, is the list of opens uh, anglers and kind of breaking down some of those numbers. So, uh, like I mentioned, Kenta was, and I read off the list of uh, Tackle Warehouse, or not, they're not Tackle Warehouse anymore, any of the Pro Circuit Invitationals. Let's try this again. The MLF Invitational Anglers who are fishing the opens. And I have not looked at that schedule to see if it or overlaps, if there's invitationals that overlap with the opens. I would think with six invitationals and nine opens that's most likely to happen because i do know that there is an npfl the first one that is scheduled for amistad is on top of a bassmaster open but the 11 uh npfl guys that are fishing the opens this year bobby lanham brad knight uh buck mallory Chris Keeble, Daryl Davis, and some of these are overlaps from the Invitationals. Uh, Jesse Millsaps, Justin Kimmel, that's an interesting one. Justin Kimmel from, uh, he's 
won a lot out of the back of the boat and then went to the front of the boat and continued to win a lot. He'll be strong. Mark Schilling, Matt Mollahan, Paul Browning, and three-time uh, TNPFL winner Taylor Watkins, who we actually had on uh, BTL earlier this year. That's a big-time list. Uh, Numbers-wise, then, this is, uh, this is really cool uh, that they just came out with. So last year, there were 53 anglers. Uh, who fished all nine of the events, according to the advanced bass stats. Uh, and 37 of those are coming back with 138 anglers that are new. Now, this is skewed a little bit because there were like 88, 89 anglers that started uh, fishing all nine of the opens last year. And then just logistically, as you suck more and more, you have less and less of a chance until you're statistically unable to make it through the points or any division so even though 53 finished it there were 80 some that started and then they kind of fell along the wayside we're going to see a lot of that this year actually that's where my my bet with ken duke came into play as far as the 175 anglers i believe the over under a 75 that will finish the entire season fishing all nine of the eqs my thought is you know 53 this past year that's only 25 more and there's a hundred more guys basically this year than there were last year. And then you look at the anglers coming over from the MPFL and then also the invitationals. And a lot of those anglers, like we talked about with James established pros, that I think they're less likely to, to, to not finish the season. You have more sponsorship money that typically you don't see uh, in the opens as far as cash given to anglers. These are established pros that are getting paid. This is the series that they're fishing this year. It doesn't matter if they finish 150th in it. They're fishing all nine of those events. So I think you're going to see a lot of those. So 138 that that did not fish all nine last year are uh, are fishing them this year. Those are some of the numbers that, like I said, it'll be interesting to see. He can, you can go down, and like I said, there's some cool stuff here. I've, I've done these numbers before. Uh, the magic number uh, appears to be, based on the last two years, appears to be between 11 and a half and 12. I think if you can catch 12 pounds a day. 12 pounds a day, 24 pounds across nine events, you are in to the Bassmaster Elite Series where all your hopes and dreams will come true and the cash will be flowing and you'll live a long and prosperous life. All right. I think that's all we got for a Monday. Still working on shows for the rest of the week, like I said, uh, wrapping up this week. Uh, looking to do kind of a best of show to close things out on Wednesday. Uh, day four, number 96 with Frank Scalish on Thursday. Uh, hit me up in the DMs on Instagram at Matt Pangrak. Email Matt at BassZone.com. If you have requests, comments, opinions on what some of the best shows of the 2022 season is, and then uh, we'll take a break for christmas and we'll be back in 2023 so big shout out to james niggemeyer and matt looney for jumping on the show today we will see everybody tomorrow for another edition of btl bass talk live later